Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. excited to share this interview that I did with Amanda. Amanda is an archaeologist who works a couple of different jobs and she lives in Kansas City. We talked about a couple of things um, and I actually ended up breaking this podcast into two different episodes because she shares this really powerful story about sharing food in her space with a couple who was living on the streets during a really, really cold snap in Kansas City. And so that was its own episode in my mind. And so I'm going to be sharing that next week. But back to today's episode with, in my conversation with Amanda, we talked about not liking cooking and that it's okay to not like cooking. We talked about the different foods that we often stigmatize. We talked about sustainable ways of eating. And in my words, that diets totally suck. We talked about eating out and fast food and know that I'm going to do a whole episode just on that next month. And then we talked about body image with our changing bodies and she shares her real and vulnerable experiences with that. And I'm so grateful for her sharing that because I think they're really relatable and it just shows that it's okay to experience that, but then to also know that we, we deserve better than to feel that way because we've been taught that way by, by society. And then at the end, she shares a couple of um, tips or what she does to take care of herself when she has zero time, when she has zero time. So go ahead and take a listen. And Hey, Amanda, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. So tell me a little bit about eating and food at your house growing up. I come from a long line of women who either don't cook or don't know how to cook. Uh, my great-grandmother and my grandmother both worked outside the home. They were waitresses. Um, my mom, uh, she she grew up in a single-parent household, and she didn't really get any of the, uh, of the domestic touch from her mother. So there wasn't really much to teach me um, by the time I came along. Uh, we, yeah, we grew up on Taco Bell and McDonald's and whatever my mom would make sometimes. Um, I thought I, I didn't understand why people liked steaks for years because I just couldn't stand them. Um, it was just the way that they were not cooked. <laughs> <laughs> was there a specific place that you would often get steaks or is that what your mom made? Is that what no, that's just about? what my mom would make. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. They, uh, I don't know. We, we, we always called them hockey pucks. They were not good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, I, and, to, and, and to be fair to my mom, since the three of us have been out on our own, she has become a Betty Crocker. She's a good cook. Now, she actually makes Christmas cookies every year. Oh, wow. This woman has never done this. And then she doesn't send me any. She sends them all to my brothers. Oh, so. well, we need to fix that. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's so cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing. It's it's interesting because, you know, honestly, my experience with my family is exact opposite. Like, my mom has cooked for forever, and both of my grandmas cook as well. And so I don't really 
for myself, I don't know an environment where cooking is not the a huge part of life. And so it's interesting yeah. and it's really, it's cool to talk to somebody who had a pretty different experience than me. So tell me a little bit about how that has um, shaped your feelings about cooking and food now. Um, while I, <laughs> well, I, I actually despise cooking. I just cannot stand it. I love um, that you say I... <laughs> that because there's so, so many people will say, or even as I'm like reaching out to people to do this podcast, they'll say, Oh, that's cool. I'd love to be interviewed, but I don't cook at all. And I'm not looking for people who only cook. So I'm excited to talk yeah. to you. Anyways, back to what well, you're saying. And, and it seems like, you know, being, uh, it's cool to be into cooking right now, into trying trying new flavors and attempting different things. Um, and I, I honestly, I didn't really like it before, uh-huh. but during my marriage, um, it was brought up all the time. Well, you should love cooking because you have to eat. And it was, it was almost kind of forced on me, and that just made me like it even less, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not one who, if I'm told what to do, <laughs> that's not yeah. going to go over well. <laughs> I feel you. Well, and, and they were from a very traditional conservative background, uh, Southern values, and that's just what the women do. You cook, and you do all these domestic things. And that's just not me. It's not. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting because I come from, like I said, like a different um, cooking background than you did. But I almost felt, I felt not ashamed at all, but I was like, oh man, I wish I didn't like to cook because then I could fit in with the mold of what I feel like I should be on the other (laughs) end. Like, I don't want to be that domestic person. (laughs) The feminist in me is like, oh, you know, you should just not cook. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do things, even though society and so many things tell us otherwise. But but yeah, so that's why I wanted, you know, to talk about this because there's really no right or wrong way to yeah. to feed ourselves. So with that, do you do you cook at all? Is there anything that you do make or tell me what about where your food comes from mostly then? Well, I am um, I'm more of like a reverse engineer. Okay. I'll find and I do this with a lot of things. Like I, you know, I had a cloth diaper business for a while. Okay. I'm not all that great at sewing, but I would take diapers apart to fix them and then in the process of doing that, uh, I created like a good template for how to make a cloth diaper and it's kind of the same thing with cooking I'll I'll find something that uh you know maybe I'll add something different and to be honest if it's something I'm cooking it's usually based on whatever I have in the kitchen at the time but I stumbled on something really great with potato soup and that's um one of maybe three things I make Uh and I do make it well I will I will give myself credit I make it very well um, so what do you tell me about your potato soup? I'm curious to hear what's in it. Well, it's, it's almost, um, I don't, my mom used to make potato soup and I remember one time we had invited someone over for dinner and she forgot to put any seasonings in the soup. It was pretty bland. Uh-huh. Whereas normally her potato soup was actually pretty good. Um, and I don't know why that memory stuck with me, but there's just something warm and inviting about potato soup. And right now, here in Kansas City, we have perfect potato soup weather. I think it's like 40 degrees outside. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is cool. it's, it's colder just, than it yeah. is in, in Salt Lake right now. <laughs> yeah, that's Kansas City for you. Um, <laughs> it was like 70 degrees the other day, and now it's this. It's crazy, um, yeah. But yeah, there, uh, and, and another thing I like about it is that I can pile all these vegetables into it and then slather it in cheese, and that I can live on it for a week if I make a big pot. Because I, I don't know how to make a small pot. <laughs> it's only ever a big pot. 
You know, soups are one of those interesting things where it's it's hard to not ver- to to make enough for like one meal maybe. And I think too, yeah. it's really it's so interesting that you your way of cooking is to use what you've got on hand because that takes creativity. It uh it it takes Google, <laughs> <laughs> which also is is you know I mean that's ingenuity right <laughs> being yeah. creative There's, in a different way. <laughs> I came across a really cool website called. Super is it supercook or superchef.com? I think supercook.com. Oh, okay. And it's it's um it takes a little bit, but it's not too bad. You basically it gives you a whole long list of ingredients and you check off the things that you have and it saves that in its little database. And then you can go back into that and say, okay, what can I make based on chicken? Mm-hmm. And that has helped me tremendously. I just discovered it a few months ago. Um, and now I'm like, oh, wow, I might make chicken enchiladas and get all fancy here. (laughs) (laughs) I would never have done that before. Sure. And it's just, just using, or at least mostly using ingredients that you have already Uh in your kitchen. Yeah. That's so smart. Exactly. Yeah. That's really smart. And again, I think it just, cooking is, I'm, it could be so many different things, but it really is. Yeah heating something up or assembling some sort of food. It, it doesn't have to be complicated, but at the same time, if you didn't have, you know, if you didn't watch anybody cook or you watch somebody cook yeah. and they're cooking. Cook it, not only great. <laughs> yeah. If it led to, what did you say? Hockey puck? <laughs> yeah. Hockey puck steaks. Steaks, you know. I then... mean, I, I love you, mom, but man, those steaks were, um, they were there. <laughs> <laughs> so you said your mom cooks a lot now. Did you do you talk yeah. about the food that she used to make when you were a kid? And did you say anything about that now? Um, yeah, she still gets a lot of ribbing about that. She and my dad <laughs> loved liver and onions. We did not. She loved Brussels sprouts. We did not. Uh-huh. And then she had steaks and sometimes spaghetti. Maybe some taco stuff, but that that was kind of the repertoire right there. Yeah. So did you eat kind of the same things over and over again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She taught me how to make uh, chicken noodle soup out of the can in the microwave when I was maybe eight. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good skill to have. It, it is. You know, press two minutes and there you go. <laughs> Take it out of the can first, I'm right? hoping. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny. Like, ever since I've come across this website, I've been sort of looking through it a little bit more to figure out how to use all the dried goods I have on hand. Um, oh yeah. I, I just I can't visualize flavors together. I don't know what's gonna work. Yeah. I mean, I've got this vivid imagination for other things, but just not flavors. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think my big problem is that when I'm hungry, I want to eat it now. I don't want to wait for an hour and a half or something to make you know to, to have my food. I want it now. Same. Yeah. Oh, I totally know. So, have you found anything that's been helpful to to reduce that time and make cooking easier without knowing you know what what ingredients go well together? <laughs> um, it, it depends on what I'm making. So like if I'm doing the chicken enchilada thing, you can actually eat the filling uh, before you, because like chicken is already cooked. Mm-hmm. So I'll just sit there and like fork out little bites of it as I'm waiting. Um, but yeah, unfortunately it, it doesn't, I don't really have good habits with this. So I'll sit there and munch on different things. Um, that's, I gotta figure out how to stop that because that's not good for me. Well, why is it that you say that? I'm I'm curious. Why is that not good for you? Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm not making I'm not making very healthy choices when I do that. Uh-huh. I could, you know, if I'm gonna do that, I should eat something better, like an apple or an orange. 
and not buttered popcorn. Or <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's to occupy my mouth. Yeah, sure. I think it's it's interesting and it's difficult because we hear all of these nutrition messages everywhere. Yeah. And you know, there's all like the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and like these are the uh-huh. rules that you need to follow and then every like once you do everything's going to be awesome, which it's not <laughs> right. because that like complicates life and there's a lot of things yeah. there, but Oh yeah, that baby fat is not melting off anytime soon. <laughs> well, and the thing too, I mean, what does that leave you feeling after you eat that food that you feel like you shouldn't be eating? Yeah. And then you guilty. just feel, yeah, you feel guilty. And then that just, it's just this vicious cycle that continues. And it is, and it really is. Yeah. I think another, you know, another part of me, you know, doing these interviews is to kind of dispel some of those myths through like real life experiences because yeah, you know, you sharing your story, I can relate to that. I, I'm sure everybody who's listening can totally relate to that because we've all, you know, been so hungry and like sitting there and watching that timer run is so hard. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I, honestly, I mean, what's the worst thing that'll happen if you, you know, like you, your example, you eat buttered popcorn instead of an apple. Like what's the worst thing that'll happen? Oh, uh. Probably not a whole lot in, in the, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I look at it more from like a biological perspective of sure. creating these neural networks in your brain. Uh, this is, you know, this is the feeling that you have and this is the response. Uh-huh. And the more you use that same response, the deeper that neural network digs in. And then it's, it's like a wrinkle that you can't iron out easily. <laughs> it's a deep, it's a deep seated yeah. habit. Yeah, I've just wrinkled my brain in the wrong way. That's really funny, but it's, yeah, I totally understand that. And I think, I think, I mean, this is off topics. We'll talk about it for a second, but, (laughs) but it's an important thing to talk about. And the thing is, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with intuitive eating, but yes, I just discovered it a few months ago and I was like, wow, this is something I could get down with. Right. It is. And the thing is, it's, it's about honoring your own there's a lot to it, but it's about honoring your own like food preferences and like realizing that you're not going, well, first of all, that eating perfectly or eating well is subjective. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And it's, and on, yeah, it's not sustainable because for a lot of like, it takes a lot of work and it can be super miserable and you can be eating foods that just don't taste good. Like kale. Oh my gosh. What have we done to ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. And again, it's super subjective. I'm, as I'm looking, like I just finished my lunch before we jumped on the call and there was kale in it and I like kale, but I eat it because (laughs) I like it. Not because like it has, you know, something that I'm supposed to eat. Yeah. But that's the thing. We tend to label foods as good or bad and through intuitive eating, the a lot of work that you know we each do as we're working through that is to remove those labels and then that allows us each to be able to make eating decisions that are best for us in that moment and then also to be able to remove that stigma that shame all that guilt all of that to then be able to eat in a way that's more helpful for us in the long run and so again yeah. going back to that like popcorn versus apple versus whatever like you said, it's not going to matter, but at the same time, you're able to make, to formulate, you're able, is that the right word? You're able to, uh-huh. you know, develop better habits and habits that are ones that are going to be actually sustainable because you're developing yeah. that habit based off of, you know, like what, how your body feels when you eat those foods, your own preferences, which are so much stronger than 
that mean voice in the back of your head saying, this is what you should be eating. <laughs> does that kind of make sense? It does. Yeah. And that's, I, mean, I think that's, um, I, I, I never had to work. Like when it, when it came to dieting and exercise before I had my son, I never had to work for anything. It was just <laughs> eat whatever, do whatever, like a charmed, magical life and body. But wow, things are different after you have a kid. And I've, I want to develop better habits, but like, you know, like we're saying here, it's, it's hard to find something that's actually sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too is, you know, doing it in a way that's going to take care of you um, yeah. versus just leaving you feeling awful all the time for yeah, exactly. you know, whatever reason. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated and I think we overcomplicate things, but oh my it's, goodness, yes. <laughs> but it's not... It's it's simple, but it is not easy, I guess I should say. Yeah, exactly. Especially when everywhere that we look, we're being told something different and also things oh my goodness, that are yeah. not helpful Newest for us. Newest superfood of the month. Oh my gosh, it's hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> what is it now? I don't. I think Asai is out already. We've moved on to something else. But yeah, <laughs> it just seems okay. like every month there's like, try this superfood. It'll, it'll keep you from getting cancer this and... You'll feel energetic and you'll sleep better. Wow. Well, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when you do that and you don't see those benefits, then whose fault yeah. is it? It's yours because you didn't eat enough, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and just the cycle continues. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not helpful. So, yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. I think that's important. I think that's super universal. So tell me, um, let's kind of get back to eating and like what's normal for you. So with that said, tell me a little bit about your normal week of eating. I'm curious what you eat. Generally. Well, when, uh, when I, when, and if I do cook at home, I try to make enough that I don't have to cook for like the rest of the week. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't mean several different dishes. It's usually one, maybe two dishes. And I will just nom on that like all week long potato soup, chicken enchiladas, maybe, maybe like some noodles or, uh, I do make, I actually make a pretty decent Alfredo sauce. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's just something that I picked up when I was in high school. I got tired of the packet mixes and any, anything that was in a jar was kind of icky. So I just made my own. Um, but to be honest, I eat, I eat way too much fast food and it's more a matter of it's it's the price because I'm usually out in my car driving all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I have I have three different jobs. I you know I kind of have to work all the time, mm -hmm. and I just often don't have time to cook. And by the time I get home, I'm just tired. Yeah. So I'll grab the dollar menu, and my waistline is starting to show the effects of that. So I'm I, it's I'm having to do a lot of like uh, cognitive type activities where okay. Is this really, even though it's only a dollar, is it really the best choice for you right now? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, a, this is the quandary I'm in right now, is trying to develop better habits and to get away from the ease and the price. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. Do you feel like um, that... I'm trying to think how I'm, what I'm asking here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, again, this is super universal. Life is yeah. really busy. You're working multiple jobs. You, I would, it's probably, it's pretty safe to say that you don't have time to spend in the kitchen. 
Um, yeah. Maybe one day a week or something, but a lot of the meals you have to eat out, you know, out of the house, which yeah. again, going back to like foods, good and bad. And, you know, like then that leads to how you feel about yourself. But the same thing goes with eating out versus eating at home. We kind of talked about this already, but cooking for yourself is not always the ideal, especially because yeah. would you say, so trying to cook more, would that add more stress to your life? You know, that's something that I debate on back and forth. Like mm-hmm. if I if I were to truly just sit down and analyze, okay, am I really making the best choices here? Because I know I know I'm not, and that's not even coming from like a hypercritical standpoint. Um, I, I do worry about, okay, I don't want to develop diabetes or gout or other uh, lifestyle uh, type illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, I... I don't know. I don't know how much extra stress it would put on me yes. to do the extra cooking. I, it's not something I've really, I guess I haven't considered it from that point of view. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, out of all of these things in our lives that affect our health, one thing that I feel like, and I've seen in some, in some research and <laughs> we don't need to get too much into it, but the role <laughs> that stress plays in our health yeah. is huge. And I, as a dietitian, as somebody who believes in the power of food on so many different levels, it's more important than feeding ourselves in a particular way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think that's important for us all to, to look at. And, you know, I would say your life right now is probably not going to be your life forever. Hopefully, right? Yeah. Boy, <laughs> like I something, hope not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> something would change, whatever that is. Yeah. And then you'll have time to cook more or you'll have different options available to you to make, you know, decisions that align with your food preferences and what works. It's also convenient. All of those things there, there should be a time where that does change. Yeah. But again, in the moment, like you probably the mo the high priority is, is doing something that's not going to add stress to your life. And again, that's yeah. super universal. We all deal with that, but it's not anything that we talk about usually. Yeah, you're you're totally right about that. It's uh, it, yeah, it's it's something I just hadn't really considered, because to be honest, um, I I know I'm not cutting myself enough slack here, but I guess I it's one of those things where you feel guilty for not devoting more time to it, mm-hmm. and that just yeah, that just digs yourself in even deeper. Over the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but again, all of those feelings of guilt, at least from what I've yeah. seen, people that I've talked to. Like that's coming from outside sources as opposed yeah, to exactly. yourself. And again, it's not, not to discount those because those can be so strong for us, but it, yeah. it definitely complicates things. Yeah. Yeah. We're worried more about appearances and how, how we're, how we're accepted or not accepted for our choices. Yeah. Well, and we're women in this society and oh, yeah. it comes down to the fact <laughs> that the only thing that matters is how we look <laughs> and yeah. being able to keep up that facade. And obviously yes. that's an oversimplification, but it's real. <laughs> it is very real. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah. And I, 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 I don't know if I think about it even more because I have gained a lot of weight in the last maybe two years. Um, and this is a totally new experience for me. Like I, I gained weight. How does this happen? Well, you know how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also, after I had my son, all of my hair fell out and it never grew back. Mm-hmm. So I already have people like looking at me kind of strangely and that, that doesn't really bother me, but I feel like I'm, I'm sort of adding to 
this this appearance that I have now, and I don't like how I'm adding to it. Oh, I see. Well, and, and it's and it's hard because you kind of we have these expectations for how our lives are going to turn out, right? And honestly, oh, that includes <laughs> the way that we look. It yeah, hundred percent does. And if that doesn't align, then 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 what? Are we a failure? Yeah, exactly. It's a, I don't know. And it's one of those things like we know our looks, we know our appearances are going to change. You're not going to stay the same. Mm -hmm. But then when it happens so suddenly and drastically like that, I literally felt like I did not know what my face looked like for maybe the first three or four years. Mm -hmm. I didn't wear makeup because I didn't know how to put on makeup without eyebrows and eyelashes and doing something with my hair. It was just a really... It was, a, it was a very out-of-body experience. Yeah. And then to go throwing extra pounds on there, it's, it, it's, it's been, uh, wow, <laughs> it's been uh, enlightening. Yeah. So is there anything positive that, what, what positive things have you kind of taken from this experience? I'm curious. Or have you Actually, taken anything positive out oh, of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I don't wear wigs. I usually wear just like a, a small headband type scarf. Mm-hmm. Just something, you know, a little pretty. And I, I don't really, I, I, I like, I'm a big kid person. Uh-huh. And for kids, it can be really confusing when they see someone like that. You know, are you a boy or are you a girl? Uh-huh. Because we do live in this world of, of binaries and labels. Totally. Um, and it's, yeah, it's confusing for kids. So part of the reason I wear this scarf is just to kind of give them a little clue about, oh, okay. Um, but I think that I actually have taken a lot of positive things out of this. And this is going to sound terrible because it kind of is. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to hear uh, this. <laughs> well, people, people just, they see it and they assume I'm on chemo, which is what I would assume too. Uh-huh. So they'll come up, just random people will hug me in the grocery store and they'll say, God bless you. And I'll say, thank you. <laughs> and I, you know, I'll tell them, well, I'm, I'm not on chemo. I just lost all my hair. Um, people are really, really kind when they think you're on chemo. I get the best customer service all the time. Or I'll get what we've started calling the chemo discount um, because people assume, you know, hey, we're going to give you our friends and family discount. And I never think of it until later when I'm on the way home or something. Oh, shoot. They think I have cancer. Okay. Should I go back and tell them I don't have cancer? Um, <laughs> but the well, world is really, really nice. You know, that's a very wonderful thing to hear. And honestly, like, as you're saying that it's benefiting them just as much as it is for you. Cause then they can yeah. be like, Oh, you know, I made this lady's life easier and which yeah. we all need, even though they thought, you know, it's under false pretenses, yeah. but it's not like you're walking around in the world, like hoping that people are going to think oh, yeah, that exactly. you're, yeah. you know, you're having, yeah, you know, I- do not have to do a thing to attract that attention. <laughs> it doesn't just exist. <laughs> it just is. Well, that's a good way to look at it. Because the thing is, I mean, like you said, things change and, you know, so many different, so many things happen as we age and, you know, with just yeah. like whatever life experiences. And, and it's so easy to get bogged down on it, especially, you know, because like our appearance is the first impression that people get. And so, you know, people can look down on others that look different from them or different than maybe what we're told is ideal or whatever. And, and it's not okay. 
but you're making the most out of out of people thinking that you have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to have this long, gorgeous brown curly hair. All of my nicknames were because of my hair. Oh, really? And when it fell out, I just felt, and it went, and it all went in a week. Eyebrows, eyelashes, like everything. Wow. And I just felt like I had lost my identity. I it was it was scary because I didn't know what was going on. I still we still don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. They've never been able to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it it just kind of rocked me a lot harder than I would have expected. Yeah, so. well, I think especially if you're used, if if your your appearance or whatever stays pretty similar over a long time, yeah. like, it's just not anything that you think about. Yeah. But it's just so out of the blue, like, how does this even happen? This is (laughs) just kind of bizarre. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that experience. I think, I think everybody again can relate to that on some level and to hear your perspective on it is, is empowering. And I think that's really cool. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot more time because I think this is something that we can talk about for forever. But I think one thing that is universal that I have learned to really help with dealing with, you know, like feeling uncomfortable in our skin or, or having those changes that happen and like not know what to do with it is just thinking about how, um, like who we are and how thinking about that and being preoccupied with those thoughts, like how does that, what does that do for us? In my experience, it takes over my ability to do other things that either like are really helpful for other people. Cause that's something that I value is being able to be of service to others for lack yeah, of a better yeah. term, but also I'm not able to like focus on things that I enjoy. And so yeah. that's not good for me or for humanity. And so well, it's like Newtonian yeah. physics laws where an object <laughs> in motion tends to stay in motion and you know, the whole entropy thing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, and too, I mean, kind of going with, with, you know, with that, it, the more you think about it, the more it, it just, it kind of perpetuates itself and it kind of snowballs. Yeah. It does. It really does. Until something breaks. Yeah. So, wow. Well, this went in a totally different direction, but I'm kind of (laughs) glad that it did. (laughs) We didn't even say the word homeless. (laughs) So Amanda now shares a story about when she invited a couple that was living on the street to come and stay with her and, and shared the role that food played in this story. Um, I decided to take this out of the episode because I think it's such a powerful story. And just to hear her talk about it was a really great way to celebrate Thanksgiving in my mind. So I wanted to share this as a standalone episode for next week and will be released on the 29th, right after Thanksgiving. So come back and listen to this story about giving and about some of the things that we get from doing that as well. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but who does though? I feel like isn't that isn't that adulthood in its like to its core? Right, everybody right there. Yeah, like you feel like everybody else knows what they're doing. Oh my goodness, yeah. And you know that you have no idea, and then everybody else knows that they have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretending, is what it is. is. (laughs) Well, this has been such a really wonderful kind of inspiring conversation for me. Thank you so much for talking. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to share um, before we're finished here? Well, I, I, in, in thinking about all, yeah, as much of a, 
as much of like a, a ministry, this, you know, this food has as much of a ministry as uh, this has turned into like mm-hmm. finding people who need the food or just getting to know them. I, I really, I have a six year old son and I want to start seeing him in that same light too, where cooking for him is a ministry. Um, that's just something that sort of popped into the back of my head. You know, that's such a good, a good realization. And again, you know, um, for people who are cooking for themselves only, it's so easy to think, you know, like, Oh, it's so, or I hear this all the time. I love to cook for other people. It's so fun. I enjoy it so much, but I do not like to cook for myself, but I think just reframing it. If you're somebody who finds joy in cooking at all in any circumstance or whatever, then, then that's something that you deserve to experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. to yourself as well. Yeah. And exactly. So, you know, to be able to, I don't know, I think those small things that we can do to take care of ourselves is, as much as I hate the term self-care, this is literally what it is. (laughs) I have three jobs. I don't have time for self-care. Yeah. But the thing is, and it doesn't have to take time. It doesn't have to take money. It's just about finding small things that we can do that we enjoy. And that puts, you know, kind of gets us in a different perspective and it allows us to, I don't know, it's, it's, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's, it's empowering is what it is. It really leads us to do, to be able to do so much more than we would if you're just like, you know, all the time, go, go, go. And yeah, it's not doing anything for ourselves. It is. It totally is. And that in itself is powerful. Even yeah. if you don't get anything else out of it, that is really important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, I actually do have one more question. So sure, go for it. S- since you're so busy and, um, and money is tight as it is, you know, is like, we can all relate to that. Yeah. What are some things that you do to take care of yourself or maybe things that you could do and would want to do to take care of yourself in that way? Hmm. I, I will totally admit that I am, I, I, I don't do a whole lot for myself, um, mm-hmm. but when the weather is uh, permissible, I'm a big, I'm a big stargazer. I'm a, and I'm, I'm avid, or I, I'm an avid, well, I don't want to say an astronomer. I'm not really an astronomer, but I'm, I'm an avid stargazer. Oh, cool. um, I love camping and I, there's a meteor shower every August the 12th, a preceded meteor shower. I haven't missed it since I was eight years old. So like 30 some odd years now um, that I've watched this. I haven't missed it a single year. There's just something amazing about staring out into space. And uh, I don't know, like all these, this concept of infinity where we don't have, we can't grasp this concept because we, we deal in terms of labels and definitives, not forever. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And that's something that, does take some time, but it doesn't, you know, I mean, it happens every year. So it's, I mean, yeah. that's something that's doable for yeah, anybody. Exactly. And the same thing could be said about, you know, another thing that happens every once in a while, but that's cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Even, yeah. Even just go out, I, just going camping alone is enough for me just to get away from it. Yeah. Maybe start, yeah, you know, starting fires. That's maybe starting fires is not a good hobby in itself, but <laughs> just be aware of where you are. And if there's yes. a fire danger, yeah. maybe start it responsibly. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. Well, thank you so much for chatting today. This was yeah. so, this was great. I'm really happy with thank this you. conversation. So Aww, thanks. thanks so much and um, have a good one. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week. Thank you.